Welcome to the Diversity on the Hill podcast with Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Curcio. Here are the ground rules for our conversation. Respect one another. Openness. No assumptions allowed. Mistakes are welcome. And let's grow together. Enjoy the conversation. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Diversity on a Hill podcast. This is PJ. And PK. And it's been a hot minute, but guess who's in the house? Woo! PC. Yes. Woo woo. We're so glad to have her back. And we got her early in season two. How about that? Yeah, right. Good to be here. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Yeah. By the way, I just said hot minute. Uh, Does that sound weird coming from an old dude like me? You're going to stick with that old dude thing? Dude, dude? I'm old. You are not old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do any of you, have you ever, have any of you used that term? It's been a hot minute. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're around it's young either, people, yeah. so it's yeah. kind of, all right. <laughs> I feel like it's an older person term. Oh, really? Personally. Oh, okay. Ooh. All right. Okay. So they took it away from us somehow. <laughs> they took it away from me before I used it. They're well, recycling it. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing new under the sun, according to mm. the wisest man that ever lived besides Jesus. <laughs> Right. Well, we are excited to be here. Now, we brought PC on board for yeah. this one, especially it's a it's a tough topic we're going to mm. be dealing with today. Mm. And so, but before we get into that, we'll, we'll have a little bit of a, a little bit of banter here. I have a, a little question and, and sure, kind of I'm going to share something with you here in, in a bit. So mm. it's actually a little treat. So, but I want your want your input. But before we get on that, Lisa, how you doing? I'm doing all right. And you know what? I've mm. been trying. Some donuts. Yes. I almost Ooh. brought some this morning. I had oh, every intention. And then I ended up sleeping in. I shouldn't have even brought it up since <laughs> I didn't bring it. But uh, do you do you ever patronize Cox Bakery? Cox Bakery? I have not. So that's my go-to for special okay. donuts. Okay. Um, right. I'm going to write that down, so by the K- way, as K-O-C-H. we speak. K-O-C-H. Oh. K-O-C-H. Okay. Yes. Okay. Down, downtown Chattanooga on Broad Street. Right. They Wait. have... I might have tried to go there once. Mm-hmm. You might have tried to. Okay. Do so they have? You failed. Well, <laughs> I was going for a specific reason, a specific item. But anyways, okay. you continue, and I'll ask you this question. Well, afterwards. what I like are the apple fritters that they have there, which is not oh, exactly a go. donut, uh-huh, but you know, uh-huh. is is pastry donut adjacent. Yes, um, right. that's our favorite thing to get there. We apple fritters have, are cousins. Yeah, cousins. Yeah, yeah. they're really yeah. good. That's right. They're very tasty, and oh, they yeah, make. Yeah delicious ones okay okay but they also have a great array of donuts so i was like oh i should have brought donuts today <laughs> there you go so they have them there donuts oh yeah, there? yeah 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 okay yeah. what yeah. did you have did you try one yes so they had i had you know their pumpkin spice is yeah, yeah. what's going on now okay, all right. um, but they do a lot of apple based ones like apple and caramel mm. to- donuts not you know in addition to the fritters they'll sometimes put some caramel on an apple fritter too. Um, so in fall, you know, they do, they do a lot of interest. So they do an apple cider donut. Do they do that? An apple Ooh, cider that's, donut? does sound a little familiar, but I haven't had one, so okay. I couldn't speak to that. But they do they do the traditional all sorts of cake ones that are quite tasty. Uh-huh. All right. Well, yeah. it's now on my list to try. Yep. And there we'll see if it, what tier it hits. <laughs> what tier it hits. I am interested we'll, in that. We'll have to have some early banter on that one. To have the PJ uh, mark of approval or mediocrity <laughs> yeah. or just okayness. So I know that, especially during this season, there's a lot of Apple stuff mm. you know, around here. I don't know if it's this season. Anyways, at some point in the in this time and they'll do apple cider donuts like an ella j oh it's a kind of big i have heard of that yeah they're not that good 
Oh, yeah. Good to know. <laughs> yeah, they're not that good. I mean, they're they're average. Is that is that on the apple fritter tiers now, or is that what, the what's the is, deal there? No, no, no. I, I don't know what you're saying there. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm saying you have tiers for your donuts, yeah. right? And I was saying, well, you, no, they're apple cider for, donuts. Oh, apple cider. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I missed that. Okay, but I did try an amazing apple cider donut that was homemade mm. from a, a friend of mine's wife, who who she made it. She brought it to the school and I, I was always a little skeptical because I'm a donut snob and I was skeptical. But once I tried, I was like, these are amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I feel like it has less to do with the flavor and more to do with like, is the donut well made? You is know, the donut well so, made. Yeah. You know, like that. So if you're getting all the apple themed things in LJ, they might not be that good at making donuts. They might be good at apple stuff, right. but yeah. not necessarily donuts. Well, they're, they were kind of whatever. What about the apple pies or something like that? I mean, I don't know. Apple pies. I, I You know, I'm not a big apple dessert guy. Really? Yeah. Huh? Big, I mean, they're there okay. Go. What's going on here? Right. Oh, see, looks I'm like taking cookies. Yeah, looks yeah. So like I got, cookies. I got cookies. My my wife had a worship, and she decided to make cookies for Aww. her worship, right? So, but she made two different batches, and there was a little bit of different styles in how she made them, and they came out two different ways. And so we had this conversation here, and of like which one is more aesthetically pleasing. Mm-hmm. And I had a I had a idea and she had an idea. And so I brought them to you guys so we could kind of settle this here and see what you guys think. And also we're gonna eat some too and you know, see what you think as well. But we 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 had some different ideas, and so I just wanted to kind of poll some people. They we polled my daughter this morning as well. Which one to you? Now I'm gonna try to give you theater of the mind. <laughs> they're they're both chocolate chip cookies, both the exact same recipes, however, with one the Butter was whipped a little longer. Okay. Right? And the other one whipped a little less. Okay. And that's the only difference in these cookies. One, the left one to to my left, to Curcio's right, is um, a little flatter. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it just looks- Smoother. Yeah, smoother and flatter. The other one's a little bit uh, thicker and a little puffier. Like chunky. More textured. Yeah, yeah a little ch- chunkier looking. So that's that's kind of what we're looking at. Okay. I want to know to you guys, from, from you guys, which one do you think is more appealing- Look wise, I mean, this is totally su- subjective. There's no, sure, you know, there's course. no right answer. That's what makes it fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The stakes are so low. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so because I don't like chocolate, I'm probably not going to taste it. Oh, interesting. What? You're not going to taste it? No, because it's a chocolate chip. But cookie. chocolate chip cookies are like it's yeah. not just chocolate though. It's yeah, so good. you could not break off me. the edge where there's no chocolate and yeah. see if the dough is okay. Uh, sure, we could we could probably try that but anyhow the point is for me oh my, it so would be the it would be the chunky looking one this is the one that looks more appealing. if i eat cookies mm-hmm. i normally eat oatmeal raisin cookies mm. which is partial cookie but no, so let's not get into <laughs> the raisin anyhow, takes any cookie so, out of it stop hating on raisins but they're terrible I love raisins. But texturized and chunky and mm. yeah all right so i'm accustomed right. to that kind of cookie more than the nice smooth so i have two answers to this one is my go-to would almost always be something that's chunkier like mm-hmm, that. So, mm-hmm. But my childhood best friend made the world's best chocolate chip cookies. Ah. And it mattered the order you put them in, like the ingredients. Mm-hmm. And things like that whipping and stuff mm-hmm. start ringing a bell for me. Right. Like it was very important exactly how you did it. Right. Um, and they looked like that. So they looked smooth. Oh, so I have sentimental attachment. Now in the in the years in intervening, mm-hmm. um, 
I have eaten many cookies that looked like that and weren't as good as a chunky cookie. Mm-hmm. So that was just kind of meh, just a little blah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, right. So again, I'll, I would probably, if we, if you just had them sitting out here, I would come in and go to that. But since we're sitting here thinking about it and I know that there was thought taken into what happened to the ingredients, mm-hmm. it yeah. makes me think that one might be better. Mm. Interesting. So I think the chunky one looks better. Mm-hmm. To me, there's, there's mm-hmm. a quality look to this. The flatter cookies yeah. look a little more... Anyways, and it's interesting because the only difference was the butter was whipped longer. Mm-hmm. Same wow. ingredients, yep. same same time, same everything. That was it. It was very interesting. Now, I, we asked our daughter, and she thought the flat ones looked better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, of course. Child. And then we also had a dis, uh, like a discussion on the colorization. Like my oh, wife, yeah. my wife likes them a little blonder. Okay. Uh-huh. I like I like a little brownness uh-huh. to the uh-huh. to them. I think the brownness brings out uh-huh. some more. Any any thoughts on that? You're not a chocolate chip cookie guy, though, so you've ruined this whole thing. <laughs> I'm always going to go for browner. Yeah, right? Okay. All right. Well, you yep. get to try one of each of those. It just looks... And s- tell me if you think there's any difference. Like, if it's not well-cooked, it looks like it's undercooked, right? So that's kind of Agreed. my that's kind of my Agreed. go-to when it comes to cookies. Also, too. I kind of feel like life experience, like thinking about your daughter, mm. I think it takes life experience to realize that chunky... Even if it, because kids are like, they like things smooth. They don't like texture. You know, it takes a while to realize that could actually be really good, you know, and also that browner might actually have a little more flavor, like roasted Mm. things Mm. and stuff like that. They don't, kids don't know stuff like that for a while. That's true. It's a great point. All right. Well, good. I I wonder, I have some feedback to take back to my family. I wonder what our listeners would say about that. Yeah. What would you say about cookies listeners? Yeah. So diversity on the hill at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Diversity with a C for, for a first time listener. Thank you for joining us. Well, and the maybe idea I'll take is, a picture of these yeah, for Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, yeah, that would be a great idea. There see. you go. So we want to hear from you to make sure. And again, you could also reach us at Diversity on a Hill uh, at Instagram, IG, right? Is that what we were referring it to? So uh, referring to it as, sorry, these uh, nice modern lingo and terminology. So on the IG at Diversity on a Hill. Diversity with the seat. I'll take these two. You take those two since I touched All these. Right. <laughs> Boy, I don't. Looking forward to that. All we'll right. see what your poll. Are you going to make it like a poll? Is there going to Yeah, maybe we'll, like we'll see left or right, chunky or, or smooth. Yeah. yeah. All right. Love it. I, I want to hear. All right. Well, we're going to gonna get into our, our subject now. We've already been, we're already 10 minutes deep into this and we've just talked about cookies. That's all right. But that's fantastic. So this week's topic, and we'll take a little break right after we announce it, but this week's topic is on abortion. Okay, we know that that's been kind of in the news a lot lately. So we're going to gather our thoughts here for a second and we'll be right back. I'm not going to put <laughs> you eating that cookie mm. as we're coming back in because we're back <laughs> and uh, PJ's over here still savoring the cookie. Well, I know we're getting into something deep, so I needed something to sweeten me up a bit. Oh, now I see why you brought the cookies. You're trying to do this comfort thing, like mm-hmm. comfort food mm-hmm. before you go ahead and go ahead and have a deep conversation. Right. right. Ah, all right. So thank you, Texas. For this whole exactly. <laughs> abortion That's conversation. what's brought us around to this. <laughs> go ahead. What you so got? Texas. They've started this conversation, and I've seen a lot of stuff on the social medias on abortion, and there does seem to be some some difference of opinions on this. Shocking. I know, right? Yeah. 
Everything we talk about seems to have a difference of opinions, especially a these diversity, days. Diversity, if you oh. will. Oh, diversity. I like it. <laughs> nice see? branding there. I like what she did there. You you're go, a, PC. You're a professional. Welcome back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so as um, as a pastor and as a human being, I, be, I, I, I was believing that this would be an interesting and important conversation mm-hmm. to kind of bring up, especially as we come into this time in, in you know, I think there's some generational differences. There's some political differences. Mm-hmm. And so I'd like to get into some of those and kind of sh- maybe share our opinions, share our thoughts, and also, you know, help guide guide this discussion a little bit, right. other than just random spewings on social media mm. and random sn- snarky, um, snarky memes uh, to make <laughs> you feel bad or, or good, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of wanted to start getting our thoughts on that and I'll just open it up to some maybe some initial thoughts. And this is where the quiet this is where comes in. no no this is where <laughs> we want to be gentlemen and be like ladies first. We were not going to have this conversation <laughs> sure. without a, sure. without a woman. Sure. Right? And then the the reality is I I can only speak for myself. I have not had experience with abortion directly. Mm. Uh I have had family members that have. Mm. Um but you know take it for for what you will and I could never relate to that experience, sure. right? And then if if you, listener, uh, have experienced abortion in some way, shape, or form, um, we'd like to hear from you as well because obviously we, could, we can't speak for you and we can't speak directly to what you've experienced. So uh, just bear that in mind. And we're looking not to uh, be offensive in our talk, but... Yeah, there I might, might be, be a little offensive. There might there might be some things <laughs> that you may not agree to be with. Right? But so, so that's the disclaimer <laughs> for the episode, <laughs> sure. right? And we'll go ahead and go from but there. I, so Lisa, I, I go ahead. I think we're dude. coming at this from people who are committed to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. To taking our understandings of how the world works from scripture, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, building on the faith of our fathers, um, you know, within the Seventh-day Adventist tradition and going yep. back in the Christian tradition. Right. And so I think it's important to say as a historian. Mm. that Christians have had a lot of different ideas about this over a long period of time. Really? And so it is not something that has ever been agreed upon. And so therefore the fact that we might not agree on it or come to any full conclusions that convince all of our listeners to <laughs> be little mini, you know, PCs or, or PKs yeah. in their ideas might not be shocking right. or surprising. Correct. So, Correct. I mean, I think that should be important. I think it's very important for, for young, young people that might be thinking about whether to be lifelong Christians and are wondering what their tradition has to understand that this is not a marker of salvation and that really godly people following scripture have fundamentally disagreed. Mm. So that's an important element, I think, to, to put out there. That is actually a, just a historical fact. Yeah. Oh, um, okay. It's not, it. it's not, you know, that's just a fact. It's sort of like when my dad told me that, um, when I came home and my two teachers in high school had been like in a huge knockdown drag out shouting match over whether Jesus had the nature of Adam before the fall or after the fall. <laughs> and my seminary educated father said, you know, people have been thinking about this for a really long time mm-hmm. and disagreeing about it for a really long time. Mm-hmm. So we might mm-hmm. not solve that yeah, yeah, today. Yeah. That's it. So, that's and it. that's sort of how I feel about this kind of thing. Excellent. So, I mean, I do, I mean, I think, you know, tr- truth in advertising. Um, I grew up in a Seventh-day Adventist church context in North America in the 70s and 80s, which was officially pro-choice. You know, Neil Wilson, our president at the time, 
said the Seventh-day Adventists are, are pro-abortion. He even said that, not just pro-choice. And so I had a particular understanding of who I, my denomination was, my very first research paper when I was 14 years old was a pro-choice research paper wow. um, looking at the history and theology of, uh, you know, fetus development and what it means to have human life. Mm. So um, I, I grew up knowing that my very godly parents who we engaged in, my family is formed through adoption. We were always foster parents. Um, we really care about, about humanity. Mm. Um, my mom had had a termination mm -hmm. in their third year of marriage because she felt very strongly that it was not the time for her and my dad to uh, become pregnant. Mm -hmm. And so I, this is how my ideas were formed. Mm -hmm. So I'm coming to this conversation. I went ahead and led with the personal, even though um, we could spend all of this time talking about the politics of what happened in Texas <laughs> and the fact that yeah. What I think personally and what I might think should be political law could potentially be different things mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. that we could stay in that arena. But I've also because we talked about the fact that people may have had a range of experiences. I grew up not thinking that there was shame mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in having had an abortion. Mm. Um, so that, you know, that there that was not a thing right. to be ashamed of mm -hmm. um, that was talked about, you know, overtly. And so. I have, I want that to be out there on the airwaves that if there's people that are struggling with this, that doesn't mean that every single choice that might be made with, re with respect to family planning and having a child is God's will or is a mm -hmm. moral decision. Mm -hmm. But it does mean that for me anyway, uh, my entire understanding of how, uh, you know, when we think about how God works in the world, the spectrum of believing that every single thing that happens, including biological accidents, is an intervention of God to complete radical free will that God kind of just set the world in motion and we all make the choices that we do. In yeah, that spectrum right. of beliefs about how much involved God is in the will of God and everything that happens versus nothing that happens, mm -hmm. Adventists have tended to be, and I was raised this way, um, and my understanding of scripture is this way, have been more on the free will side. You know, we do believe that God, you know, can intervene, answers prayer, but have been more on the God relies on us to make good choices and God works through our choices. Right. I have never thought there was only one person for me to marry, mm -hmm. but I do think I can make good choices, ethical, right choices in choosing who I, my life partner is that then God blesses that. And as I continue to choose that, he blesses that. Is it the only relationship he could have ever blessed? Probably not, you know, in my, right. again, in my worldview of our free will. So mm -hmm. right. that's part of when I'm coming to this, as we talk maybe even more in detail about the morality and ethics of choosing when to terminate a pregnancy mm -hmm. um, and how that might look legally, how that might look ethically in the church, how that might look with how I conduct myself sexually and right. it, with regard to chastity, all of that, how that might work. I grew up, I grew up in a home where I was taught at nine or 10, how birth control worked mm -hmm. with the understanding that I, of course, would be chased the old-fashioned word ladies and gentlemen <laughs> is continent yes, um, yes, with yes. respect to sexuality and only within the bounds of marriage but mm -hmm. that the idea was you understand how your body works in the state of tennessee it is illegal to teach birth control in the public school system you mm. can only teach abstinence so we have people when we, we there's a there's other things we can talk about that have to do with uh the you know, wisdom, ethics of how we teach people about whether and how to become parents mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that 
are also potentially involved in some of this. So right. I'm just exactly. leading with the personal there and, no, and we turn it back it. over to you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And I figured that PJ was going to look at me because he wanted me to speak next. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, this. what I was just, I was, I was listening. What well, I w- bring on the what's controversy. Interesting, I, I do want to ask oh, you a question. So historically within our church, our church has been, you, you said has leaned more pro-choice. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that goes contrary to what I've been kind of led to believe right well again now in my context i grew up also at venice but in the hispanic culture Mm. Mm. so now it it changes the dynamic of how our quote-unquote church felt about this right so so i came from a hispanic family too so this may be more so this is where we're we're probably going to be more in line here which is abortion is a no-no you know like thou shalt not kill you're killing a living being right that's that's where I thought the church was. But that's not just, I don't think that's just Hispanic. So uh, not that long ago, I had a political sermon. Now, my You politi- preached a political sermon? Yeah, I did. Okay. But it was. Just clarifying. Yeah. <laughs> it was a sermon basically saying, listen, we're in God's kingdom, not earthly kingdom. So when, when, we're, when we're aligning ourselves to an earthly kingdom, We've got issues. We can't align ourselves. Anyways, I'm not going to preach the sermon. But <laughs> after I got no, no. done, obviously, any most people that come to you, you know, are like, "Oh, thank you, nice sermon, whatever." But th- there were several people who came. Well, you know what? You know, I, I make my decision on one thing only, and it's the killing part. You know, the abortion, and so even in, in the majority of the people that I were speaking to were, you know. Caucasians, Anglo, you know, coming from that kind of old tradition of, of Adventism. And so there in their mind, that was the reason why they were voting a certain way. Mm. It, it was it was leaning all mm. on the abortion issue, which I don't necessarily eh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know if that's the only thing you're thinking about. Mm-hmm. But that was that was the comment I got about their voting things. And obviously sure. I knew right then who they were voting for, but it was so I, I don't think it's just the Hispanic no. side. No. It's not. So traditionally, the, not. I think most Adventists would believe they're pro-life. Yeah. So that goes back to 1978 okay. and not before. <laughs> so, well, I mean, there's a, there is a particular history and people don't always know when they change their mind on something mm. or, you know, like, so this isn't something that lots of people talked about. And I think if you think abortion only takes place if somebody has been having sex outside of marriage and is wanting to avoid the consequences of that, then sure, you know, but like, you know, oh, more than half of people who get terminations are married. You know, it's not, this isn't like, this is, and most people are also practicing birth control. So it, my mother, for instance, was on birth control. So just even if you're practicing birth control and dying to be responsible, things can still happen. And so I agree that historically speaking, I think people, the the evangelical moral majority alliance of Republican politics with anti-abortion is of less than 40 years old. Wow. And so there that is, and, and before that, the majority of evangelicals were, of course, no one is arguing everyone should just be going out and having unprotected sex with whoever they want and willy-nilly just having abortion as a form of birth control control. Right, right. Also, nobody is arguing that li- little 
um, unborn babies in people's wombs should be taken apart in a horrible manner and killed. Like Correct. we're talking uh, the 90% of abortions take place within the first 12 weeks of, of pregnancy when we're not talking about some, you know, somebody who can, can, and can breathe and on their own or can live. It's, we're talking about a mass of cells mostly in this situation because the 70% are in the first eight weeks. So we're talking about, um, the stories that got told, like, I do think that there are a lot of people and, and what the official church's position, you guys know this as theologian pastor types, the official church's position versus what everyone thinks <laughs> is, are two different things. And that's totally Agreed. fine. Like, yeah. I mean, so the church and it, led by its ethicists and its medical staff and, and thinking globally. Mm -hmm. So with people, we're not just thinking about people in the United States. They're thinking about globally where a lot of women do not have autonomy over themselves sexually. Exactly. So they cannot choose mm -hmm. whether or not they may have engaged in a sexual act, whether with their partner or not. And they're choosing, am I feeding the eight kids I have, you know, or am I adding to that? And which one am I going to feed? This is where our, our president in the seventies was speaking out of our mm. global concern for human rights, human flourishing, taking care of people led us into this position, not any kind of immorality or lack of care for human life. But I do agree. Like I, and I, and I think, I, I think being anti-abortion and thinking you shouldn't kill any fertilized egg is totally a position people can ethically, morally, and biblically come to. Yeah. And, and, yeah. you know, speaking of changing their minds, right. So I was raised a particular way, which is abortion is a no-no, right. Um, and I remember distinctly, and I'm going to segue with the, with the story that led me to understanding when I changed my mind, right? Um, when I was, uh, was it in elementary or middle? It was one of those early on. Um, and I was told, they, they brought up the, the whole concept of should prayer be had in all schools, like even public schools? Mm -hmm. And my initial reaction was like, yes, of course, you have to pray. Like, this is what you have to do, right? And then um, the the person who was having the, the dialogue with us, with our class, at that particular time was like, well, you understand, prayer is a good thing, and we get that. As Christians, oh, this had, had to be middle school. So they were like, as Christians, you know, we want people to pray, and that's a good thing. But what happens to the non-Christian? What happens to the one that doesn't believe? Should they be forced to to pray as well going against something that they don't believe in right or trying to do something that they don't believe in and that's when when my mind i guess was opened up to the to the reality that not everybody believes in things the way that i do mm. and it took me to that whole concept that if god the creator of the universe gave us freedom of choice who are we to obligate people or to take away people's freedom mm. of choice and then obviously when we come to this exposure to abortion right and we start talking about this um i heard the story of what what if you know uh someone who was raped ended up getting pregnant right are they forced to have that is that what god intended for them because you know oftentimes we say well well you know let god's will be done or, or it was god. no god did not will for this to happen so the person still has to have the freedom of choice to decide whether or not they want to keep such child. Because there are women that have. And when they look at that child, the disdain, the, rem the reminder of how this child came to life, you know, it, it's just so difficult. So with that said, I guess I'm exposing myself now personally where I stand, which is 
you know, I am pro-choice. You have to be able to allow people to choose because if this is what God does, who mm-hmm. am I, non-God, to say otherwise, to take people's ability to choose what they decide? You know, that's, in the end of the day, it, it's cliche, but that's between them and God. <clears throat> Go ahead, PJ. All right. Bring the controversy. Okay. Come on, well, push, back. push maybe, back. Maybe there'll be some controversy. <clears throat> so I... I tend to lean towards, in most areas of my life, a pro-choice kind of mentality. Obviously, I 100% agree. God has given us choice. He's given us free will. He has given us all those things, and we need to, as well, give those give those to other people. And it's very interesting how we see the mask mandates <laughs> and we see vaccine things and well. we see abortion and we see some of the same arguments on both sides mm-hmm. and kind of talking out of two sides of your mouth. It's very <laughs> interesting that I've seen people with vaccine things. It's my body, my choice. Mm. However, when they see an anti-abortion, I mean a pro-choice person do that, they get very angry. Right Now, I do believe there are some differences a little sure. bit, a little bit, sure. <clears throat> but I'm just saying. Uh, personally, I've been, I started my, I started my abortion kind of thoughts in the pro-choice side of things. Oh, okay. Um, I remember having a discussion with some of my more conservative uh, political friends about this. And, and I'm saying, well, you know, no, it's God gives us a choice. We should have a choice. I will say at this point in time, um, I did not have kids. And having kids did change me. Mm-hmm. And also a conversation with a young man at a, a school that I worked with changed me because we were talking about different church standards with LGBTQ and, and abortion and all these kind of things. And in having my conversation, I realized I needed to be more, I guess, consistent Okay. in kind of my thoughts and not, oh, well, this side, well, fine, let's do this. But on this side, well, there's a little now, now. There's always gray areas. I understand that. There are always exceptions to the rule. But after I had children, it really changed me. And it's interesting. It changed me more than it changed my wife, which I found very interesting. Mm. I've become more of the pro-life, I, I think with some caveats. I am more pro-life now after having children. Oh, okay. Um, and realizing they... As a church, we need to have a voice for those who are oppressed, right? Mm-hmm. We believe in that. We've talked about mm-hmm. that. We need to give a voice to those who don't have a voice. And to me, a child who's not born doesn't have a voice. Mm-hmm. They're, they have, they're, they're helpless. Mm-hmm. And so there needs to be some kind of advocacy in that. Now, I understand. I, I get all the, 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 the other things where there's incest. I get all the things where there's rape. And I do believe there needs to be some kind of... I don't know. Exception? Yes. There always needs to be that you know an exception to the rule. I, I I totally believe in that. But I also believe that, you know, they always bring up rape as the thing. Well, what about rape and incest? I'm like, well, of course. We can always bring the worst case scenarios mm, yeah. as an excuse to continue to do something which some people have used as a form of contraceptive. Now I know that's not the most I'm I'm not saying that's the most people. I know I personally know of friends who I knew who have had it and I know of other friends who have wanted to have it and didn't go through with it because they didn't have the money yet still had the child and they've had wonderful lives. 
Sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I and the other ones have had trauma as a result of the, the that termination. Right, of course. And in, in the the style they chose. And so I, I in in seeing both those instances, and, and also personally, my mom was asked if she wanted abortion mm-hmm. with me mm-hmm. because she was so distraught that I was coming. <laughs> it was, a, I call myself a mistake, yeah. right? They call it an, you know, a surprise, whatever. I call it what it is. It's <laughs> a mistake. <laughs> uh, and she was so distraught that they said, hey, do you want an abortion? Now, my mom came from a Hispanic Catholic background, which you know in Catholicism, mm. and then Adventism on top of that. So in her mind, it was, you know, she'd be going straight to the bad place if she... Mm. Had done that. So I don't know if it was more out of fear or more out of, you know, a moral obligation. I'm not sure. So that's kind of where, that's kind of where I stand. I, I, I stand more in the, the pro-life, but at the same time, I stand in a pro-life on all areas of life as well. I believe pro-life goes into past, you know, past conception. So right. <laughs> people who are Post baby, post, post baby. fetuses. Yes, because there was an argument once where you know you care about. It, obviously, it was some kind of thing about social justice. You care about the you care about the unborn until they're born, and then you don't care about necessarily how they're fed or if they're treated equally or treated right then. Right, and that's what I, I believe in pro life all the way through, and that's why I believe in vaccines and masks and being careful because I believe in. Not taking people's life prematurely mm. if it's possible. So quality of life as well is what you quality you're of life. Also not taking their life prematurely if if <laughs> if we can help it. So that's kind of where and it's interesting that I did change from a more of a pro choice to a pro life with a choice caveat in there. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And that's part of why you've mentioned before potentially being a little bit more on the the pacifist nonviolent spectrum potentially of our Adventist church with a little more sympathy for that. Like I think that also makes sense if we think about life. I mean, I think biblically speaking, and I don't know that we're always tied to like every articulation in let's say the old testament of things that have to do with life because there's a lot of horrifying things in there but Mm. there definitely is a hierarchy of life um god values all life you know that he sees when the sparrow falls um and yet there is an an evolution um even from the time of a of a fertilized egg you know that becomes more human we can't mourn and mark every fertilized egg that passes out through miscarriage or other things in the same way that we do a person who's been in the world. And our Adventist theology, which inculcates, we don't have a soul that is inserted like St. Augustine brought in theologically, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. into, into babies at the quickening, you know, the, the, the traditional uh, Catholic theology of this, which said, you know, there is a soul now. And so that has, that is a soul that God has given that child at a particular time in there. Adventists have more of a breath of life, holistic kind of view of becoming a soul. Um, And so I do think, um, you know, as we think about, about life, and I think women, when they carry a child to term, you 
bond with that child more and more as time goes on. So you become a mother as well. Mm -hmm. Like what you right. feel instantly the second that you have a fertilized egg in you is not the same as mm -hmm. you feel, you know, like over time. And so I think there is this process of becoming that God has put into us that helps us be ready for parenthood, you know, and helps the child be ready. And, and I think there's cruelty. There's, there's worries about, you know, what we're, how we're the dignity of humanity. And I think as a, I, I do think that the shame that's involved, I think people, no one should be forced to have an abortion, first of all. Like, mm -hmm. and, and I think we have to be really careful about allowing for a range of these options to be available so that there isn't, the part of the trauma isn't the shaming that goes on over and over mm -hmm. and over again in society, where we're acting like obviously abortion is one of like the top 10 terrible sins. And so if, ever, if someone hears this all the time, they're going to, part, to, to think that. You know, when you think about to what extent is it okay to plan to be a parent? You know, is every act of sexuality a procreative act? You know, is every fertilized egg intended by God to be born that particular and none other? You know, I think it is those kinds of questions we have more than one possible biblical answer for. And so I think being gentle with each other in how we make that choice. And I will say as somebody who had the potential of having become impregnated in my life and had to think about how I would handle becoming a mother when I was very convicted by God that I was not called to be a mother mm -hmm. um, and having to emotionally deal with what that would mean. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I never had to end up having a termination, but I knew that that was on the table potentially. And that mm -hmm. made me angry mm -hmm. that I would have to go. It, that's never an easy thing to do. It's not a simple like, oh, you, you messed up and you had sex when you didn't mean to or you weren't thinking about it, planning for it, and now you're pregnant, oh, just go off and have an abortion. That's never what any woman is doing. It is always a fraught experience um, and not an easy one. And so I think the disrespect sometimes that God gives, that, that society gives to women who are having to weigh their choices, that God loves women who've mm -hmm. been impregnated just as much as he loves their child. Mm -hmm. And so the the flourishing life, like I, I really think taking that seriously, and we need to do a better job of not shaming Correct. people that are pregnant outside of wedlock Agreed. so that they can make a choice they actually want to make, mm -hmm. you know, around that. The church doing a better job of caring for young mothers, single parents with no shame involved in that. Like if someone comes to your church as a single mom, like how do they feel? Are they welcomed? Like they've never been married. They, you know, maybe even are super young or maybe they're not young. We've, we had people in our local, in our church who this woman was, had a boyfriend, but was choosing not to marry him, raised Adventist in the church and had a child. And she was particularly picking a church based on where that wasn't going to constantly be an issue. You know, that she's not being constantly pushed to marry mm -hmm. the father of her child in mm -hmm. order to legitimate it. So I do think we need to do a better job of loving everyone and making communities where people want to come into. And again, like I said, my parents came to their choices based on the fact that we were a constant community of unwanted children, un unloved, troubled children. And my, and they had a very strong sense that biblically speaking, God is all right with some people not being born, you know, and says that, you <laughs> right. know, now, you know, I don't know if I want to take all of that per <laughs> as it's written, you know, like it would have been better for that person if they hadn't been, I don't, I, I think there's theological exegetical stuff you can do with that, which makes that not, you know, a fundamentalist kind of reading of that. But um, I do think unless we are really caring for the post-baby people and their lives and flourishing, we're not 
making a place where people are like, okay, I wasn't planning to have this uh, child right now, but you know what? I'm supported. I can raise a child in a community where they will flourish and I will flourish and and I have people around me. Yeah, and, and I agree completely there. And I also believe that we have to bear in mind uh, that due to sin, God has also made concessions. Mm. There are concessions that have been made for different things. For instance, mm. one concession that was made was that people could divorce, right? Mm -hmm. It was such a big thing. And then, you know, it's like it's not the ideal. It's not what God prefers. His thought is you marry, you marry for eternity. Like that's the mentality. But he understood due to sin and due to our own challenges as human beings, he made concessions. And that's and Jesus brought that out when he was like, you know, Moses tells you this, you know, you guys go based on the law of Moses, you know, you just go ahead and divorce if if you're sick and tired. Of, but then again, they didn't value women back then anyways. Right. Right. So there's all of that history that's involved in that. And and the concession was made that they could do that. But then Christ is like, like, nah, like that's not what I prefer. Mm. So so not when, only did he not prefer it, he does say in the Bible, I hate divorce. Yes. So the point So there is something Right. But but what I'm getting at is that concessions were made due to sin and due to our nature. Like that is how amazing the God that we serve is. Now, why do I say something like that? Because again, when we talk about people, women in particularly, right, carrying the shame and thinking that they're going to go to hell because of a difficult decision that they had to make based on what they understood their life required at any particular moment in time, mm. understand that concessions have been made. You don't have to you know, concern yourself with your salvation because that's something that God has covered. Mm. So when you walk with God, when you have that relationship with him, and this is why I am so adamant when it comes to to like giving pro-choice across the board. Look, I'm fully vaccinated. You want to talk about masks? I wear masks because of my neighbor and I'm choosing to do this. It's my choice. And yeah, you don't want to get vaccinated. Sure. You may have, you, you want to gamble with how it's going to come out if you get COVID or not or whatever. That's on you. Fine. I'm not mad at you for that. I'm more frustrated because I just want to get past this whole COVID mm. thing and let's do whatever we needed to get past it. But my point is I am very consistent when it comes to this whole cho choice part because I'm saying concessions have been made. What concessions are made? Some we know, some we don't. So then ultimately when it comes to this whole idea of salvation – Look, if I make it into heaven, I'm be like, Lord, thank you for making a concession. You know, for me to be there, right? And again, and I go back to this whole concept and and people can take go with this. I don't know if, if they will say it relates or not. But the whole process is when that one sperm fertilizes an egg, it wasn't a one on one kind of situation. Like we tend to forget that we are one in millions. And it just so happens that we were the ones that got there, you know, and we were the ones that fertilized the egg. And that's what brought us here. Right. So all I'm saying, I know that that doesn't, I guess, align with a whole lot of stuff, except for the mere fact <laughs> huh? that you are special, you know. And now. Yeah. Well, so, now wait, wait, wait. But okay, let, let me let me make sure I count because I think right. he's going to like trying to jump on this real no, quick. No, no. But but my thought process, again, is I have to trust that the mother Okay, or the woman who gets impregnated is going to make the best decision based on not just her life situation, but her relationship with God. Mm. 
And that's when I say, yeah, it's life is a special thing. Conception is a special thing. Being able to procreate is an amazing gift. But in the end, it is still the choice of the person who is procreating. Okay. I agree with almost all of that. I do have this concept of, of choice. Okay. Let's go back to choice. Let's go back to the original choice. And this isn't the shame. This isn't, but this is a reality. I want to be real here. When you choose to engage in something that could possibly have an outcome, you're making a choice that has a consequence to it, possibly. So when we engage in sex, mm -hmm. and I'm going to say more premarital sex because, hey, that's, let's, let's call it what it is. Premarital sex is not intended in, in the Bible. I mean, if we read it correctly, it's, you know, Bible says, hey, you're pretty much married when you, you know, have sex with someone. It says, hey, don't you know you join yourself with a prostitute, you're now married to them. So there's this, there's a, there's a specialness in sex. Mm. Yeah, there no, is, there no is, demeaning that. There is right. something that is super special in that, that the world has, the world has demeaned it. Right. The world has made it into mm. a, a recreational event and not a spiritual, uh, relational bond that mm. it does. Agreed. But when you have premarital sex, there is, you are making a choice. You have made a choice to engage in something that has a possible outcome. Right. And now to say, hey, listen, I have a choice after the fact to terminate someone that, who didn't have it. Now, I understand the soul thing. There's, there's some complexities in there. I understand all that, and I get it. But I also do want to say there's, we need to be careful that we don't just say, oh, oh no, that's the choice. No, there, there's been a choice already that's led us to the secondary choice. Correct. And that's what I, I, I think we need to make sure that we're aware of that. Hey, listen, well, you've made a choice already, which led to the, a pregnancy. Now, now I'm talking about, I'm, once again, I'm talking about these choices. I'm not talking about in, uh, incest or rape. No, 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 no. And so I'm saying, listen, you've made a choice. There's a consequence that comes to it. Just like you said, the vax, you choose not to get the vaccine. You've made a choice. Right. Right. That might lead to a, that might lead to a tougher something later right right and i agree and 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 this is just what i want to like sprinkle in there like life is full of myriad of choices right and yeah. and maybe not all to the same degree right but the the reality is is the same thing if you choose to drive and get a driver's license and you get in the car and you're choosing to drive you run the risk of getting in an accident worst case scenario right here's another one here's a better one an easier one if you're driving and you choose to speed Right. You're choosing to break the law mm -hmm. and run the risk of getting a ticket. Right. Or if you get in an accident, you have less uh, you have less probability of surviving the accident. Right. Because you're going at a faster velocity. Right. So there is that intent of, you know, you made a choice and there can be consequences to your choices. Right. But I don't know that I want to. Now, personally, this is me saying I'm not trying to refute. I'm just listening and I'm saying, you know, at the same time, yeah, I don't. <laughs> let me make sure I'm clear on this. <laughs> I am not Please. seeing sex like a recreational activity. Uh -huh. All right. Let's frame that. I'd rather you abstain because that's what the Bible says is best. Right. So I'm, I'm fully on that side. However, for whatever which reason, you made the choice to engage in sex. And then the result was that you got pregnant, you still have the choice. And then, but wait, 
here's the thing. You still have to live with that decision. However you treat it, may it be, you know, feeling shame. Hopefully that's not the case. But in the end of the day, you still have to understand no matter the decision you make, you have to live with that. So that's what I'm saying. You still end up choosing. And there are a lot of things in life where we make choices and we have to live with those decisions. And there are people who are very consistent about saying sex should only be for procreative purposes and that, that you should, this, that this is basically what you're opening yourself into anytime you engage in sex. And so let me just say to any of our listeners out there, we are in favor of you keeping all your sexual continence for within the bounds of marriage for Agreed. both emotional, psychological, practical, and spiritual theological reasons. Mm -hmm. So much no, better. No regrets yes. ever in my life mm -hmm. about refra refraining from sex before marriage. Mm. If you are engaging in sexual activity, please do so responsibly and use birth control. So I'm, I have no problem just saying that out loud and yeah. avail yourself of the information needed to do that. Yes. Because on the first one, please and amen. On the second one, please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not amen on that one, yeah. right? Nah, but, 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 yeah. but please. I mean, yes, yeah. it's, it's please because, be responsible. You know what I'm saying. Because this is often what happens. Like a, a mistake in one thing shouldn't result in somebody. Like, because again, I think that the God of the universe has enough knowledge of the world to know every single possible human being who could ever have been born, every mm -hmm. possible permutation of sperm and egg that could exist. Mm -hmm. God knows that and could have a plan for their life. Yeah. I, I think that because of sin, there's a lot of possibilities that are out there that God works his will in anyway. Yeah. And I think he could have, of course he knew me before I was born. And he also knows all of the other people who could have been born That's and correct. were not. So I don't know that that necessarily just just because somebody was has a fertilized egg means that that person has to be born. Now I am born and I like it. <laughs> yeah. However, there's That's people right. that That's are right. born and don't like and don't it. Like it. Yeah. And I yeah. think yeah. there are, yeah. I don't, I don't think our job is necessarily to game the system all the time, but I do think prayerfully, if you are of a person meant to pray and in terms of those of us that are organizing societal norms to understand that there could be multiple choices here where someone says it is not okay for me to be a parent. And if I carry this child to term, I am not giving it up for adoption. I will not raise this child effectively. And I, the best decision I can make for this child is for it not to be born. I can try to talk them out of it if I am a person who knows them and says, look, I will help you with this. I think it is appropriate to give them all their options. But I also think it is possible, it is consistent to say one should only engage in sex for procreative purposes and or with the openness to procreation. I think it is realistic to say, if you're having sex, you might get pregnant and or yeah. other things. Yeah. Um, so hard, hard truths <laughs> talking. I've had like, people, I've had hard people truths. Yeah, yeah. say they've gotten pregnant. And like, we weren't trying. And I've asked them, did you use birth control? Then they were married. Yeah. And they're like, no. I was like, then they, you were trying. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. That's, that's what what's happening. Means. Then and, you were trying. And there are people who are very consistent <laughs> that don't think we should use birth control. That God or oversees mm, yeah. all of those options, all those biological accidents or not accidents are overseen by God. And again, I can, I, I can imagine a theology in, that is rooted in Bible in which they come to that conclusion. My theology is not um, there. <laughs> and it, I also believe it's rooted in scripture, but I can respect that and acknowledge their choice to make that decision and be supportive of people who have eight, nine, 10, 11 children because they feel that is their calling by God or that is what, you know, that is the way it works. Praise those and crazy I people. Will, I will support them. <laughs> I and love be you. I'm not shaming them. you, but you're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> 
Also, I have chosen not to be a parent at all. You know, and I want to be supported Secondary in that. Crazy. You know, no, yeah, no, yeah, no. yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I, I, I want. I think that those are all options within the body of Christ, within of a biblically rooted, you know, understanding. And there's nothing wrong. Like, 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 guys, please, please, please. There is nothing wrong with learning from someone else's experience. Ooh, yeah. Mm. There is nothing wrong with that. Look, <laughs> we have to bear our own cross, and I get that. But my point is our cross can get heavier the more we expose ourselves as we make choices that are not favorable or according to God's will. Yeah, that's one of my pet peeves when someone says, no, I need to try it for myself. To no, you like, do no, not. you do not. Oh, dumb. my word. Like, no, you're just adding layers to your cross. So if I cut my finger off, you have to try that too. <laughs> you just know, you feel like an old man. If you jumped off the bridge, would you? <laughs> so, so listen, he, he, go, ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. So that's just what I'm getting at. Like, you do not have to learn this for yourself. And we're saying, look, if you live according to what thus said the Lord, he doesn't want to restrain you. He doesn't want to, to shackle you. He wants to give you life so you can live it abundantly. Mm, he wants to give life. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> so so I, here, I'm going to say something, and then I'm going to transition into something that seems to be contrary to what I've been saying, but it gives the the definite gray areas and some biblical stuff that may be hard to wrestle with as well. I just want to go back to the point of, listen, if you make a decision, first off, first off, I do believe in the shaming part. Should It's not our job to shame. Shame is a part of guilt, by the way. It does happen regardless of even if we're not trying to. I, I do believe we need to do a better job of supporting people, even mm -hmm. when they make choices I don't agree with. Right. Someone... Uh, someone once said, and I, I believe this is very true, churches should spend less time outside picketing hmm. in front of abortion clinics and should be out the back door comforting those who have had the abortions. Hmm. That would go further into building the kingdom than hmm. shaming them as they go in right. and not supporting them as they go out. That, you know, I, I totally believe in that. That's something we should be doing is that's part of pro-life is building someone up even when they made a decision that you don't agree with. Yeah. And let me inter interrupt you real quick. People, stop trying to play God because that's where this stems from. Mm. We're trying to determine based on people's decisions if they're going to heaven or hell. And then based on that, we decide how we're going to treat them. And we're saying based on the experience, the, the example that you just gave, it's like stop trying to to do God's job for him. He doesn't need our help when it comes to putting people into heaven or hell. He, he wants our help to spread his love. Well, yeah, it's good. But we also need to hold people accountable when it's our opportunity yes, to. But loving, I you can love and still hold people accountable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is stop holding them accountable to the fact of where they're going to end up. Oh, yeah, that's not our job. That's the judging part we should never do. Thank you very much. Go ahead. Anyways, so I, I, I want, I still want to reiterate the fact, I, I really I really need to make sure, that, well, I don't know. I'm just saying, I, I feel like we make choices, and then later on, we have to make another choice. And by the way, both choices would be, could be bad. I, I do believe that anyone who has had abortion deals with some um, mental trauma and some guilt and some shame that goes with that, even if no one else is shaming them. There's, there's something, I, I don't think that's true. You don't think so? I know lots of people, including three members of my immediate family who've had terminations and don't, don't actually deal. Again, my very godly mother, mm -hmm. who was in her third year of marriage, said she said they had prayed about it, talked about it beforehand. It wasn't a big choice or agonizing when she found out that she'd missed a period. Off she went. 
um, had a termination. She was no more than eight weeks along and was very confident about that, has never a day in her life felt shame, guilt, sadness about the child that was not um, because there were a lot of children that were not you know, that she and my dad could have had, but they chose three to have biologically and three to adopt and dozens and dozens to foster. And so, no, I don't think that every woman who's had a termination feels guilt or shame about that. Um, I think, you know, I think there are things one can feel guilt or shame about, like I engaged in sexual behaviors that left me, you know, bereft, where I felt used, you know, and, and felt difficult, or I was abandoned by the person who bothered that child like in this and the whole difficult situation was you know really upsetting but in terms of having had to make a choice I think there are definitely people who feel guilty and shame and they and they need you know they want God's help and they need our love and forgiveness along with that also I don't think it is a it's not the same because again a lot of people who are having terminations are not having sex outside of marriage this is happening within marriage. And sure. so they, are, they they don't have that like, oh, if I hadn't behaved this way mm-hmm. outside of marriage, um, then this wouldn't have happened. And I wouldn't have had like a twofer. So if we're talking to an audience of people who are primarily thinking about like abortion is a result of extramarital sex and we're talking to people straight about that not being something that's God's will, mm-hmm. you know, that is a different situation than the than what is actually exists is in numerically a huge proportion of of abortions, which are people that are married and have finished with having their children, mm-hmm. um, and may have not gotten sterilized yet or had a partner who was or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think like I again I think we can differentiate the shame that comes from a termination, which even married people may feel some shame or you know that that absolutely does exist from people who have guilt and shame potentially around their sexual choices that they made mm-hmm. i stand corrected oh well and that's all right it's not the first time, <laughs> first time. but <laughs> well, say what you're gonna say because i feel like but, you didn't get to finish well, no, you're gonna do it anyways i do you know like we said one decision will often lead to another mm-hmm. possibly difficult decision mm-hmm and I, I guess I'm I'm all I'm 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 most in the favor of valuing life as God in, intended it to. Now, once again, who am I to say God didn't intend that? But I, I do feel like if God didn't intend it, we have other ways of God has other ways of taking care of that. I guess it it seems weird to say that, but as I I, I just I'm I'm just I'm just one of these things. Listen, we have to deal with our. We have to deal with the consequences of our choices. Mm-hmm. And we're going to deal with it one way or another. Yeah. Right? And if you're a prayerful mm-hmm. person, I think God will will lead and, and, and direct you. But obviously, you know, I stand more in the in the pro-life because I want to honor yeah. the life that God has made us be able to do and create. That's that's our form of creation. Right. We're, right. we're made in the image of God. And I think that's one of the ways we're made in the image is to be able to create life and help sustain it through our relationships, through our interactions with one another. Now, this being said, abortion, here, here's here's the gray area where sometimes I get a little, the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. The Old Testament is very difficult to deal with with some of the stories as Israel comes into the promised land. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, I believe that God had given these the people who were there opportunities to come to him and given them every opportunity to follow him, but they weren't. Mm-hmm. But he told Israel, to eradicate certain groups down to the children and animals. Mm -hmm. Think about that. That, Mm. That's a, that's a hard, that's a hard thing to grasp. Mm -hmm. And then as I, as I grapple with that, it was very interesting. Have you, have any of you read the book Freakonomics? Freakonomics, you read it? So there was a very interesting part in Freakonomics. Maybe you know where I'm going with. They were, they were talking about a crime 
they were trying to get rid of crime. And I don't know if it was in the 70s or 80s. They were talking about eradicating crime and being tough on crime. And crime started to, to go down. And a lot of politicians took credit for that and said, yeah, yeah, we're being tough on crime. In the thing, in the thing though, as they were doing research, the authors found out that there was a very interesting um, correlation between Roe versus Wade and crime. That as the age of those people, as abortion started to come in, crime started to go down as those kids started to be in the age. And they correlated to the fact that maybe these kids who would have been born into bad families or families who they didn't want to be born into or, you know, born in situations that were, well, not healthy families, mm -hmm. crime started to go down. And in their in their they're thinking they were like maybe <laughs> these two were correlated, mm -hmm. and it made me think, wow, that's sad, horrible, and horrible. And it actually tur turns out not to be true. It turns but, out not to yeah. be true. But anyway, oh well, tell me more about that. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a racist way of reading that correlations or the fact that there's these two statistics at the same time. Also, um, there's a lot of research now that they've done that shows that the uptick of crime that happened in the late '60s and '70s with mm -hmm. kids that were born after World War II, um, there there is a lot of correlation. Um, that again, we can't prove, but it's correlation between the amount of exposure they had to like DDT and other pesticides and the role of that in aggression. Mm -hmm. um, versus when they put in environmental laws in the early 70s and cut that off, um, there was a, a ma massive downtick in crime. Um, by starting in the 90s, we've had a, you know, the crime has dropped off since the 90s. Mm -hmm. And and I, I mean, also the, the data on who's getting abortions doesn't line up with people in poverty getting abortions or people in urban situations, which there was a very not even very well veiled uh, racial racial element about black and brown people committing crimes because that's who's been convicted of crimes in the 70s to the 90s. So there was a lot of pushback on Freakonomics about that, okay. about promoting that that data. But it's it's true. This is why, PJ, we've got to have people who remind us of the sanctity of life. We have to have people reminding us that a, a child is a gift mm -hmm. and that um, we want to celebrate that. And we w once that child has been, fert a fertilized egg is growing in someone that we can be supporting that and, and, and celebrating it, you know, from stem to stern. It's hard to do that while also saying, but that sexual activity that engaged in that may or may not have been sanctioned. Again, a lot of times, People that are having terminations are married and also people who are married sometimes have an accident or wonderful blessing from God. Either a way, surprise. And, and surprise. Surprise. surprise, there you go. That's there right, you. a surprise to me. And, yeah. and, and, enjoy, <laughs> and enjoy that surprise. Like, okay, I thought I was done with this, but oh, well, it turns out this is happening. And I think we should, we do need people. This is why we have diversity mm -hmm. of thoughts and things is because we need people reminding us that humans are valuable, regardless of whether they're fully abled people, that the profoundly disabled are valuable, right. that people at the very end of life who can barely do hardly anything are valuable, valuable. you know, and, and that, you know, little infants, even if they don't live for very long are valuable while also trusting the Holy Spirit. When you have women who have, I mean, a lot of women who are making the choice to terminate early on before their child develops and they attach to it and everything inside them are making the choice based on profound disabilities that are existing and their actual decision for what they consider to be the well-being of their child. Mm -hmm. 
We also need people who remind us that terminating people with disabilities is insulting to the dignity of human life and Mm -hmm. that we should also be a world in which people with disabilities, no matter how profound, are valued. And if we Mm -hmm. are creating a society where that is, we can help make that. So I think we do need people pushing us back and saying it is a wonderful thing for a new human being to come and join the world Um, and that we want to be, I have intentionally not become a parent so that I can be a parent, you know, Mm -hmm. because we need people who are spare parents, especially if people are having to give birth to every fertilized egg that they have inside them. You're going to have a lot more humans than a single man and woman or a single woman by herself feel capable of caring for. And so you will need other people who are willing to take time and energy away from their own families and their own children or not have them in order to invest in other people's kids. And that is very important to me personally, that I am there for those people who are raising children. That's awesome. And speaking of, of the disabilities, having children with disabilities, I don't know if this happened to you that I didn't know you could even do this. They run tests Mm. on you on, they run tests ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah. To Mm -hmm. to tell you if they have some kind of, they can tell some kind of deficiencies. Mm -hmm. And at the time I was very conflicted about this Mm -hmm. because I guess on some level you want to be emotionally ready but at the other other time, it opens the door as to, do you want to bring this mm-hmm. child into the world? Mm-hmm. And it was really weird because after they had the test, both me and Alana were talking. We were like, do we really want to know the mm. results of this? Because does mm. this open the door for us to... Mm. And once again, this was our first child. So at this point in time, I was more pro-choice than pro-life. And I was like, is this an option? Mm. And, it, it, and so... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Mm. Yeah, that that's valid. I mean, we want to be informed, and knowledge is is increasing. That's part of what does that information do? Like, I mean, part of it was they do it, that. It, so it, I think it, the nurse even said, "This is so you can make a decision." Yeah, that's it. it yeah. That's what it does. Yeah. The information gives you the opportunity to make an even more informed choice. Like and that's, and I think both yeesh, making sure we have a, a culture which values all humans. And right. trusting the power of the Holy Spirit amongst people who are make, trying to make that choice and trust the Holy Spirit, even if they make a different choice than I would have made, even if they make a choice that's going to make my life harder. Because I'm like, oh, you chose to have, you know, 16 kids and now I have to spend half my spare time helping you like to be like, but they were doing this with the power of the Holy Spirit. My job is to follow the Holy Spirit in my life. I think that is like we can do both things at the same time, create a strong culture of life and also trust the Holy Spirit in people's individual lives as they make those choices. And I think that that's where I, where I wanted to go to when it comes to praying for people who are having these experiences. I don't know if this ever happened to you guys, but people like to pray based on what they believe should happen. Yep. I'm going to pray that you choose to keep this baby, you know, or based on their beliefs, you know, or I'm going to pray that you choose to, you know, terminate based on what they understand you should do. And, and I think that, that this goes back to the example that you gave about comforting the people who are leaving the abortion clinic if you want to call call it that and the Mm -hmm. idea is we need to pray that god's will may be made clear to the person whether or not i agree with whatever the outcome is going to be and i think that that's something that as christians we need to understand and we need to embrace and we need to um 
make a reality in our daily lives when we interact with other people because that's where the love of God is shown. That's where the compassion is shown. That's where the support begins when I'm not praying so the outcome comes out to what I think it should for your sake, but that God would truly make it clear to you and you be able to make that decision for yourself based on your journey with God. I believe in that in principle. <laughs> but there's a practicality to that that yeah. that bugs me. Well, in, in, in all honesty, because, I mean, we've, listen, we've been a part of churches. Right? We've all been in those board meetings mm-hmm. where we pray, mm. give us wisdom that your will be done. And then something happens that you feel like that's wrong. Yeah. But, and you know that humans don't always make the right decision. <laughs> Right. And, and I've, I've seen lots of pastors yeah. going to certain churches that they never belonged in. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And there is <laughs> that element. They, they people say, but we prayed about it. Yeah, but were you looking at the, re- the reality of that decision? But again, the fruits you, you're going to see, like ultimately is going to play out before you. I know, but whether I don't or not want it was, those... it wasn't. But again, you have to live with that choice. That, I, and, and that's I what I'm saying. I get you. I get you. I'm just saying that. Like I said, I believe with you in principle. Right. But that doesn't mean, and that's why I feel like we have to have these conversations about what I feel like a, a biblical, a good biblical worldview would be. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, you know, we have to have these conversations because I, I'll be honest with you. To me, the world puts, the liberal world puts on the view of, well, listen, this just needs to be an option no matter what. And it's, and it's you know, choice. And if without choice, we're not free. And I understand part of that, but. We've already made choices. It just, it saddens me when we celebrate things that can possibly take away life. Mm -hmm. I mean, when they passed, they passed a law, this was years ago, five or six years ago, that when they passed the law to allow abortion in Argentina, I was watching the news. I don't know if I was at home and it was my mom's channel. I don't know. For some reason I was watching this and there was a video. And once they passed the law to allow abortion, it was a party. People were cheering and being, yeah, and it was like, I understand this is what you want, but at the same time, this isn't something you should be partying about because this means that life, some lives that maybe were intended to be now won't be. Now, I understand there's reasons to, to be, I guess, content with it. But it's almost like, yeah. It's like when we partied when Saddam Hussein was killed or, um, yeah. you know, Al-Qaeda or bin, bin Laden. Laden. Yeah. So, so, so <laughs> I, this is probably going to have to be another episode. I mean, if you've heard this long into, thank you for, nah, for sticking we're going. with us. But, but, you know, here's the, here's the question. And I'm assuming based on what you shared earlier, I kind of know where you would go on this. But how about the death penalty? Right? Like that's another conversation uh, for another episode, I get it, but but that brings up this whole concept too of you know there are those who will celebrate the fact that this person who did these terrible acts, mm-hmm. you know, got what they quote unquote deserved, right? So there is that as well, right? So I I don't know, like like in in principle, I hear what you're saying based on what I shared, right? Mm-hmm. But the practicality of it, yeah, you and I know that there are people who that manipulate things and get away with what they want however that eventually comes to the light and people will see yeah that wasn't necessarily what god wanted however god can take our mistakes Mm -hmm. and still work with them he does we but you still have to live 
with the decision and the negative experience that could have been avoided if you would have followed his will to begin I, with. I agree with I. you. But don't I, have sex before being married. I agree <laughs> with you, but I just don't. I just don't want it to be like, well, you pray for this and everything will turn right. out just the way God wants because no, you prayed for it. No, because God did not intend for it to no. be that way. But what I'm saying is when you said, let's pray that God will give them wisdom. Maybe God has given them wisdom. And it still hasn't turned out. So that's that's what I'm saying. I understand God's going to make it work out all in the end to those who love him. He, sure. he does it. That, that's a promise yeah, that I will yeah. claim. Right. And he's done it many times. Yeah. Um, but in other words, I go just, back to what I said earlier. Mm-hmm. God gave you wisdom to keep it in your pants. And, you know, and to keep your pants and, zipped. And I would just, I would like to say too, that like <laughs> part of the reason there's rejoicing is because, and I don't know how much to go into this, you know, in the time that we've left because we all need to wind things up. But I think God loves women and wants them to flourish. Becoming mothers and being able to control whether you become a mother or not has been fundamental to women being able to flourish as full human beings in the world. Mm-hmm. Getting to decide the first thing that when you educate women in any society, the first thing that happens is they reduce the number of children they have. You know, collectively now, maybe an individual woman might choose to have 18 children. But most collectively what women do is reduce the number of children they have because mothering and parenting is so important and women bear that burden in a way men do not that's true that do being able to do that for a finite number of people as opposed to an infinite number of people being able to make sure that you're in a financial situation to do mm-hmm. that and a mm-hmm. mental cycle is so important to women yep. so if i could imagine why women might be cheering it's partly because not most many 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 women in the world do not always get to choose when and how they engage in sexual activity even if they're married and have a partner yeah. um and it has not been it's only been a hot minute it has been in my lifetime you said hot minute i did and I'll say it again. You go, girl. I'm a Gen Xer. Go ahead. Um, it has only been a hot minute since um, marital rape was an option. Yep. It's in my lifetime, in this country, mm-hmm. let alone in a bunch of other countries, mm-hmm. there was not the option that you could potentially be raped by a person you're married to. And this happened a lot. Oh, yes. It oh, also yes, still it frequently happens that yes. women don't yes, always does. get to be mm-hmm. in charge of whether or not birth control is used in their sexual activity. So when sometimes people are cheering about abortion rights, what they are often frequently cheering is a movement forward with women's autonomy over when and how they become mothers. Now, I agree that we need to be like, are we cheering because, yay, we get to kill babies? I don't know any women that think that. And And yet I I know a a lot of women are just grateful that now there is an option for them that not every single sexual action that that they activity they engage in, which may or may not always, and the birth control elements of that may or may not always be in their control, it has to result in them necessarily becoming a mother. Mm -hmm. Um, Because again, the whole idea of, oh, just give babies up for adoption if you don't feel like you can be a mother, that completely misunderstands what happens to women over the course of a pregnancy as they bond with their child and what Mm -hmm. it will mean to them to become a parent. So I, I would also just like to lean into that, that while I do, I am sad anytime we cheer at warfare and we cheer at the fact that people were killed that civilians are killed in our country's war that my tax dollars go to kill people who are innocent on the regular Mm -hmm. that is upsetting to me also Mm -hmm. Um, and so I sympathize with that and I think we need to continue to create a culture we push at each other and say hey Let's be careful what we're saying about unborn children here. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about like the value that they have. Mm -hmm. Let's be responsible in our sexual activity. Let's make 
birth control widely available and information about it widely available mm-hmm. so that this does not happen. So that if you're choosing to engage in sexual activity, it doesn't necessarily result in something else like you becoming a parent when you are not ready to. Yeah. You know, yeah. I do think that those kinds of things are out there. And also that God, scriptures, the tr- Christian tradition, our community have held up a beautiful model of choosing continents outside of marriage for our sexual activity (laughs) that can result in much greater flourishing. Yes. Continence. Yeah. It's an old fashioned word. It's an old fashioned word. Yeah. Sounds gross. (laughs) Yes. It kind of is gross. (laughs) Well, isn't it's all a little gross. Doesn't go into the opposite direction. Like isn't incontinence, the inability to use the restroom? Incontinence is the inability to control yourself biologically. Incontinence. Oh, so continence is, see? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just helping other people. Yeah. Um, so incontinence <laughs> is the inability. To, so continence is controlling yourself. Got you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sweet. Yeah, you so don't have to give in to all your biological urges every Bam. time you have them. That's it. That's it. That's a good capstone right there for right <laughs> continence. now. Continence. I love it. That's the capstone. <laughs> Continents. There you go. We learned a, a, a old English word. There or in my Let's time, call we called it abstinence. Yeah, and yeah. And what do the new kids call it? Just don't do it. <laughs> I don't know. Well, Nike says just do it, and we're, and we're going against I what always, Nike's saying. Yeah. Like, don't just do it. Don't just do it. Yeah. Anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> so glad to have PC with us, girl. Yes. It was a thank pleasure. Thank you so much for, yeah. for having this. And thank you all for hanging with us again. We want it's, to hear from you. It's diverse. good to have someone smart in the house that can you <laughs> yeah, know, she, 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 help you when you're dumb. She legitimizes <laughs> our podcast. So we appreciate that. She so is the legitimacy of our gonna, podcast. What are you talking about? <laughs> we're going to try to get PC on more often. We're going to uh, we say that, but we will. We will be more intentional about that. Again, we want to hear from you. Diversityonthehill at gmail.com or at IG. Mm. At Diversity on Hill. IG. What do you call Instagram? Do you just call Instagram? I say Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Those of us who are a little older, we just call yeah. it Instagram. I feel like the young people appreciate us just acting our age. Yeah, that, that's true. That's why I was weird, felt weird for a second when I said Hot Minute, but you said no, Hot Minute is good. <laughs> so say Hot Minute. Oh, man. PJ. As long as I don't start saying bet all the time, I'm fine. Oh, dude. Oh, by the way, mm-hmm. OG, right? I need to go back, reference real quick before we end. OG, I knew was original gangster, yeah. but we used it as old guy. Old geezer. Like old geezer. Yeah, like but old, guy, but old guy. Yeah, yeah. I'm but, an OG. But, but that's why when we were, I was, I guess the the regular term for OG is original gangster, which yeah. is what I shared in, our, in a couple of episodes before. Yeah, we established but, but old guy was the way that I understood it. And that's old why guy. when I was like, I don't know what OG means cause, like to you and maybe to other people who understood it. The original definition of og was yeah. original gangster yeah. but anyways just wanted to clarify that because i was like oh guys i thought we'd cleared that up no well, well well we talked about it you were talking about old geezer oh. whatever and then i was like don't you know what that means right and then i was like nah nah but i thought about it as old guy but mm-hmm. then people can see it as something else so i was like let me clarify the fact that, that i said I old geezer does that make me even more <laughs> an old geezer because <laughs> i used the word geezer uh yeah 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 yeah. Okay. I mean, again, you you All graduated right. from Southern in bet, 1999. Dude, bet. Oh, stop! <laughs> Go ahead and bless us, dude. All right. Let's pray, dear Heavenly Father. Thank you so much for your love, your grace, and your mercy. Um, in in spite of what we may bring to the table, Lord, we just pray that you will use us 
and that you use these conversations to bring all of us into a closer relationship with you and with yeah. each other. Yes. We thank you for the ability to converse. We thank you for the ability to communicate and to grow closer to one another. Thank you for this time together. And Lord, as in every decision we make, may we involve you in it and may we allow your discernment to guide and direct us. Thank yes. you for this time again. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening. This is PJ and I'm out. PC out. Yeah, PK here. Many blessings. Till next next time. Wow. Can't even say next time. Holla. <laughs> <laughs>